I remember I was in the chapel and I was so upset because um, I was praying, I was worrying about my voice. I, it, this is the kind of prayer that it's like when you're in that spot, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. Raising these kids, and I'm worried about their school, they were still little. I'm worried about their grades, I'm worried about their friendships, and you know, are they going to find the right person? Just all the stuff that we worry about, okay, as parents, as people that love one another. And I was in this chapel, and then, and then my mind started to spread. Oh gosh, there's so, there's just so much to do. There's so much to do. Lord, I don't see how I'm going to do it all. And I kind of got under this condition of the, of the mass of life. Do you know what I mean? The, the size of life. And I picture myself, I can't call it a vision, but it, I can watch this happen. I come from a ranch family, so I see myself in this field. It is, before me is just dirt. And I have one of those old wooden plows, the old kind, with the wooden rounded worn handles from handling it, and they curve down, and then you have some kind of an animal in front of you that pulls it, and you walk around behind it, right? You turn it around. And I see myself holding this thing. I'm like, God, this is impossible. This is impossible. I never made it. And I, I just remember that sense of of leaking hope on the ground. Just this sense of weakness. And I hear God say, turn around. And I close my eyes, and I turn around in this chapel, and I see behind me miles, acres of plowed fields, just straight do you know what I mean? Just, I mean, just like curves of over hillsides and rounded mountains, and it's the and God is showing me this is what we've been doing. That's that's amazing. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was even. I didn't know. I was so busy at the at the plow. I didn't understand what's been going on. God just says, just turn around, look. Just look. Get perspective. Oh. And I just, of course, it was acting and I solved and I do it and I do that love. But I but here I am with my little pile of dreams. And so I said, okay. So I went to the back of the man or the back of the journal. And I started writing in reverse order my victories things that I have done. And remember, this is my journal. It doesn't have to pass anybody else's test for mine. And what I remember I bought my first house. I was so proud of that. I remember I remember marrying that girl. I remember I wanted to start a business and I wanted to sell a business. That's why I wrote it down here. I remember buying my first car. I remember my first fist fight. I remember my bone, the arm, my bone in my arm I broke in a car wreck. I remember passing a CPA exam. I remember catching a shark. I remember snorkeling for abalone. 
I remember learning how to scuba dive. I, I remember winning, here it is, first prize of my triumph. I wanted to become the CFO of Bethel Church. I wanted to win a letter in varsity wrestling. I wanted to eat frog legs. <laughs> and I did. They were awesome. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> I wanted to go on my first cruise. I wanted to get to Hawaii. I started numbering them in reverse order. I've got more to fill in. I'm telling you, our lives are so dynamic, you can get lost in the woods. Write down your dreams and beware, it can become very discouraging when you pile them up in one place. It will look like a mountain. But turn around. Start at the back and work your way toward the center. What have you done? What have you done? Think about it. What have you done? We've done some stuff, haven't we? Maybe we've raised our kids. Maybe we got out of college, got a degree. Maybe we just made out of high school. Hey, man, we made it through high school. Right? Think about what we've done. We've done some stuff. There was that time, maybe, maybe someone in the family just really needed you, and you stepped into it, and you were just a hero of the family. Maybe there was that. Or maybe you were... You reached out and prayed for someone who really needed it. You prayed for someone who needed healing. Write it down. And so your, your assignment, I have to close that dreaming session with this assignment. Beware it can be discouraged, but here's what you do. Turn around and look behind you. Because I'm telling you, God, you are not idle. You might forget it because you're in the passion of the heat of the day. But just log it. And keep going back to it. I keep it by my bed. And I go back to it every, every now and then, maybe once or twice a year. And I have to update it. And every time I answer a training, I have to go add some more because I want to work on 100 open dreams for the rest of my life. It's not about this. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but God asked me one day, he said, what happens to you if you live to be 150 years old? Well, how many generations of my own family would I interact with? My children, their children, their children's children, maybe four generations from now. I, I would have all that effect. And that's something. So let's live our, side, our, our lives wide open. Why not? Why not? What are we... I mean, the enemy wouldn't want that, but... Shut up. <laughs> this is the prosperous soul, and this is us starting to dream. So here's a real practical tool. Log some. And remember, if one of your dreams is to own a house by the lake in the pine trees, and that doesn't sound very religious or holy, that's your dream. Just, just If that's a dream, just put it down. I give you permission to put it down. Just write it down. It's only one. Just keep going. Write a hundred of them. And watch God pull them off. You watch. Now we had... You guys okay? Yes. We had a question. Um, and I'm going to move quickly into the dominion section. By the way, dominion is 147. So why don't you kind of turn there and I'll kind of warm things up by a little intro. 
one of the questions before lunch was about the purpose training. I thought actually that's a pretty nice fit. 147. Yeah, the minute. The purpose train answers, you'll remember. The purpose box, the top box, is why. It asks the question, why are you here? And the way I usually approach that is I when when I figured out what goes in my purpose box, I had to think back to who did God make me be? Who, why am I here? And, and the way I did that is I remembered back to when I was a little kid. Because I figured out that when I was little, I wasn't acting. We, were, we act all the time. We behave and we act in different environments. But when we're little, we're not that sophisticated. We just kind of act out ourselves. We just kind of we're learning about ourselves, and it's just kind of coming out of us. And I was about I don't know, probably six or seven, and I'm sitting under the shade of an old tractor, and I'm talking to my hunting dog, my uncle's hunting dog. Her name's Queen, and I talk to Queen about how to retrieve a duck. Now we shoot the duck, and the gun goes off. So I'm scared. It's going to be loud. But don't you worry, you watch for that duck. And when that duck falls, you watch Donnie. And when Donnie says go, you run out there and you swim out in the cold water. And you get that duck. But don't bite it hard. This is me, I'm six. I'm telling this hunting dog, I'm teaching. You understand? I'm teaching this hunting dog. And it's not because the dog doesn't understand what its job is. It's because out of me was coming something. It just flowed out of me. It's like God made me like that clay and when he let go of me there was fingerprints all over me. And one of the fingerprints was Steve, you're going to teach. And so as I get older when I look back to why I'm on the planet I try to identify those things that are really in me. Now life is busy it kind of covers up those fingerprints. Doesn't it? it kind of paints over it. We run it through the kiln and we harden it up and we turn it ourselves into something useful. We, we're always working on ourselves, but those prints are still there. I think of it like grain inside of wood. The grain in a tree is just in it. You don't separate the two. It's in the wood. The same as purpose is in you, like like it's in the wood. You can't separate it. Now we can cover it up, we can deny it, we can paint over it, we can saw through it, we can sand it out, we can sand it, but it's always there. And so sometimes we have trouble identifying our purpose because of all the sanding and painting that's been going on in our lives. But we can just go back. It's an exercise. We won't do it now. But you go back and think about what I used to do. How was I as a kid? And I realized there's, for me, when I say the word teacher, it means things to me. And so I identified those things and I found a single word, teacher, that meant all of that. So when I say teacher, it's emotive. It's emotional to me, you know? Another word 
in my Y box is father. I just can't help myself. I fathered, I've always fathered stuff. I just, I fathered my friends, I fathered my pets. I remember dreaming as a kid about being a grandfather, oddly. I remember, you know, when I had my children, it's like, uh, you know, I used to, I, I use a saying, and now it's in my, I, I think it's in my book. My book is dedicated to my boys. It says, I would fight a bear. Those were some good enchiladas. <laughs> it says, I would fight a bear and win for you. Meaning for my boys, I would. I would just throw myself in front of trains for my kids, you know? And so that thing is in me. And yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't win the bear, but that bear would know I was there. You know what I mean? So for me to say the word father, it means things. It's emotional to me. There's things when I say father. And so you can do the same thing. You can say, well, when I think back to my identity, my God-given identity, make sure you're hanging on the spirit of adoption. But from that perspective, what did God make me? And just kind of identify what came out of you. And that will help you boil it down to one or two or three single words. And for me, I have three Father, servant, and teacher. Those mean things to me. And from that, I begin to engineer my life or see my life. That's the vision box. Now we're moving into that section of the, the prosperous soul. This section is on dreaming, excuse me, on dominion. Dominion, when I said, I'm talking about the idea of Christ standing at the back of the boat. He's been asleep, and a storm has come. And the ship, the boat, is in danger of swamping. So it, these were fishermen, so these weren't rookies. These guys are in this boat, and they're like afraid for their lives. They wake up Christ. They say that we are perishing. Save us. He walks, Jesus walks to the back of the boat and he says three words. Hush, be still. Commands the waves. He commands the ocean and the storm and the winds and the waves to settle. And the guys in the boat freak out. They're like, who is this? Right? So it was something. The guys were like, oh my goodness. Even the waves obey him? That's dominion. Christ demonstrated this. And then he has the, the presence of mind to say, yeah, you'll do greater things than this. <coughs> so there's this possibility of dominion in our life. Imagine dominion on a person who thinks they're worthless. Because power, dominion is power. Imagine that if we're carrying lies in our hearts. You can see why the offensive end of the prosperous soul message can't be presented before the first part. We've got to learn the model. And by the way, I'll teach you about dominion 
And as we do this message, you got to know, you'll walk out of here and you're in, you're in school. Because he's not going to give you more than you can stand. He's not going to destroy us. But as you demonstrate faithfulness in little, you give me these, I believe, don't promote us. But our assignment is faithfulness. Just faithful, it's God's choice to promote. And as we serve him, what happens is we get promoted from glory to glory to glory. The weight gets heavier, we learn how to carry it. We start obeying, and God rewards us. I'm pleased with that. Look at that. I like that. Promote And we learn how to carry. Is it possible you could get to a day where you could pray over someone for a complete release of debt and have it forgiven? Is it possible? Yeah. What isn't possible? What would that be like? If you could if you could be cruising through your day and somebody you hear somebody talking about that I'm in such a legal disaster. I've got this guy who's trying to take my business and I don't know what to do and the judge I have a a, a hearing on Monday and he just pray, God, I just release favor. And the judge's heart is turned. What would that be like? That's power, man. This is what we're talking about. Is it possible? I believe it's totally possible. I believe that's what the days we are in. I believe that Pharaoh is dreaming a nightmare on the planet. Financially. And the interpreters are interpreting the magicians, just like the days of Pharaoh, are interpreting the economics of the planet. And just like in those days, Pharaoh said, That's not, that doesn't sound right. Just like in these days, I believe the Pharaohs on the world today are going to hear the answer and go, That doesn't sound right. And I believe those magicians are going to begin to call Joseph out of prison. Us. And we're going to come out of prison and we're going to be, have our opportunity to speak to Pharaohs. Understand, we won't all speak to President Obama, but some of us might. And in four years later, we'll be speaking to some other president. But these days are coming. Pharaohs, the, the days of the nightmare on Pharaoh are here. And the days of Joseph, we just got to get ourselves out of bondage. We're sitting down in the prison right now. We're sitting there because we have debt. We're also sitting there because we're all bound up with the fear of our own hearts. We don't want to live with the blender on high, baby. Right? But that's, what's, that's what we're called to. We're called to get that displacement of junk out and truth of the Bible in. And in that place, to learn how to operate on high. See, God wants Jesus splattered all over the room. You know what I mean? He wants us. He wants power to exaggerate us. But he wants Christ all over. And so, it's going to happen. This is why we're learning how to carry. And how to carry it with, without a lid. With the power on wherever God has it. And when, when goo comes out, let's go after it. Let's use the financial sozo tools. Go in and deal with that job. Those things we did that night with the yellow stickies. That was a financial sozo. Go in and deal with it. Papa was the truth. Get the truth in there. Get the junk out. 
learn is to pass the growing man. It's going to make us ferocious. You get that? See, the devil's got a real bad problem on his hands. The church is waking up. And so in this context, I start talking about the four rules of success. If we were on a purpose train in context, we move from purpose down to vision. So now I'm talking about the vision box. The first rule of success. If you can't dream it, you can't have it. It, by the way, is in the manual, but it's in another place. So just, just write it on the margins there in session seven. The first rule of success. If you can't dream it, you can't have it. Now this is very important. If you turn that phrase around, you will displace God on the throne of your heart. If you say, if I can dream it, I can have it, you position yourself as God. Don't do that. See, the reason prosperous soul isn't the wealth doctrine. You know what I mean by wealth doctrine? The reason this isn't that is because the wealth doctrine says if you can dream it, you can have it. And that is based, in my opinion, that is based in the lie the Babel, the uh, Tower of Babel. They thought, we can build the Tower to heaven. And God didn't argue against it. He said, I gotta confuse their words. He didn't want, God isn't threatened by our puny little monuments. You get that? But what God didn't want was for men to understand that we can displace God and put ourselves in a place and create create things. Being made in His image, we have the ability to create stuff. We engineer our environments all the time. We self-prophesy, self-fulfilling prophecy all, all the time around ourselves. So there is power in that. If there wasn't, God wouldn't have been concerned enough to confuse the language of the power of Babel. That is very dangerous. And every time I read a book, if I see it, I put it down. I, I, I don't want to cross that that boundary is dangerous to me. The reason I say it in the negative, if you can't dream it, you can't have it, is because I'm tapping the message we just talked about on toil. If you can't dream or imagine, if your arms are so heavy you can't hope, something's broken and you need to fix it. Because we're not designed that way. God's given us a place of rest. Christ is our rest. We need to activate that. And in the rest, that perpetual motion engine runs. So, very important to me that we keep rule number one in the negative. Does that make sense? If you can't dream it, something's wrong. Fix it. If you can't dream it, keep your Sabbath. Start with your Sabbath and begin to Rest until you can feel and start imagining. When you can bear verses like whatever you ask or imagine. Rule number one. Now, rule number two is the long arm of reality. 
Now, I need to tell you guys, if you Google the rules of success, you're going to get probably millions of different rules how to succeed. People all over the world figuring out what are the rules to success, how do I get there? But I'm here to tell you, they're all wrong, and these are the right ones. Okay? These really are the right ones. Because it orients us under the king. The first rule is around rest. The second rule is around action. The long arm of reality happens when you're sitting on your couch. Remember me watching cartoons? And pretty soon the cartoons are off and the boys are off plan. And I'm sitting there and I start thinking. Did you know that Henry Ford said that thinking is the hardest job there is? That's why so few people do it. It's hard work to think. And you can't think when you're exhausted. And when you're resting, you can think. And when you think, you begin to tap into the mind of Christ. What happens is you start you start dreaming. It's very buoyant. It'll lift you up. And as I'm sitting on the couch, one day I thought, I told you this. What if I could write a book? That's crazy. But nobody's here to hear me, so I'll just think about it. You know, maybe. How big is a book? How many words is that? That's a lot more than a birthday card. You know, I start processing this, and I start thinking, and I start writing. The long arm of reality reaches out into that audacious hope and pulls it into today and says, what can I do today toward that, that dream? And this is the question this morning that I said I would touch on. How do you engineer the rest of your purpose train? Is the long arm of reality. From that place of rest, you identify your purpose and you see your vision. The long arm of reality reaches out into that vision and says, well, gosh, if you're going to be an author of the book, I guess you better learn how to write. So the long arm of reality pulls it into today and I realize, I'm a terrible writer. I can't spell with these. And I don't like to read. And I spend my evenings watching television. So how do I fix some of that? So what I said to myself is every day, unless I forget, every day, intentionally, I'm going to try to get one inch closer to that hairy goal that I have up there. And for the example I'm using, and I have many, but my example is one write a book. And, and I'm not talking about just to write a book. I mean, I could have wrote a romance novel and, you know, whatever. I'm talking about, like, Pulitzer. I want to write a national bestseller. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm thinking, no, if I'm significant, I'm not going to write junk. I want to write... I want to, I want to write something that changes culture. That's what I want to write. I want to write something that would refer back to maybe a hundred years from now. That's what I think. And so as I tinker with that, I realize, I wonder what books have done that. So I made a list, and I started reading them. I started, I said, every night I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to read something great. So I went to the first guy I knew about, which is C.S. Lewis. And I just started reading him. To understand, I, I watched him 
as I read. I began to just kind of, how does he do this? I read a paragraph and go, oh my gosh, that's got to be a runoff. That's amazing. <laughs> but it's not. It's beautiful. And I would just say, that's amazing. So then I would start writing. I'm going to read an example. Oh, we're getting started. Yeah, so I, I said the longer reality for me was every night I'm going to read something. I'm going to read one page. If I'm so tired, I can't even remember what I read. If I read the same paragraph three times and I still don't know what it means, it doesn't matter. I did it, close the book, go to sleep. The next day, just get a little farther. So I just made a little inch every day. Faithful and little, faithful and much. Now you're going to have to apply this to your lives. What is your big hairy dream and what can you do to inch toward it? I started reading poetry. I started writing poetry. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. So I had to grow a thick skin. Like, I need to grow a thick skin. I need to learn how to take criticism. And so I did. And I am. I'm still doing that now. And I started reading and I read stuff that would bring me to tears. It's unbelievable. Ah, I shouldn't take time to do this stuff. I'm going to read you guys something that is unbelievable. Is that fair? Can I do that? Yeah. This is a book called Peace Like a River. The author's name is Leif Anger. E-N-G-E-R. And this is a fiction. And this whole chapter but there's just too much. Can we do story time for a minute? Just sit back. It's almost time to change the this, I guess. So I'm going to read this story and hopefully it'll finish in time. This, this little boy is, uh, I think he's around 12 and he's the narrator and he has a little sister and an older brother. And the older brother had, the story is about the older brother that's in some legal trouble. It's a Christian book, so don't don't worry, it's good. But this, the boy's conclusion is, I think I was saved. He almost died at birth. And that's the piece that we'll miss here. But he says, I think I was saved to witness my dad's miracles. So he's talking about miracles. He says, the truth is, I didn't think much on this till a dozen years later about him almost dying. Beyond, of course, savoring the fact that I'd begun life in a dangerous and thus romantic manner. When you are seven years old, there's nothing as lovely and tragic as telling your friends you were just about dead once. It made Dad my hero. That's a reason you'd have to read the book about that. As you might expect, he was my hero. Won him my forgiveness for anything he might forever do. But until later events, it didn't occur to me to wonder just why I was allowed, after all, to breathe and keep breathing. He was born still. The answer, it seems to me now, lies in the miracles. Let me say something about that word, miracle. For too long it's been used to characterize things or events that, though pleasant, are entirely normal. Peeping chicks at Easter time. Spring, generally. 
A clear sunrise over an overcast week of miracle, people say, as if they'd been educated from greeting cards. I'm sorry. No. Such things are worth our notice every day of the week, but to call them miracle evaporates the strength of the word. Real miracles bother people, like strange, sudden pains unknown in medical literature. It's true. They rebut every rule all we good citizens take comfort in. Lazarus obeying orders and climbing up out of the grave, now that's a miracle. And you can bet it upset a lot of folks who were standing around at the time. When a person dies, the earth is generally unwilling to cough him back up. A miracle contradicts the will of the earth. My sister, Sweet, who often sees to the nub, offers this. People fear miracles because they fear being changed. Though ignoring them will change you too. Sweet said another thing. And it rang with me like a bell. No miracle happens without a witness. Someone to declare, here's what I saw. Here's how it went. Make of it what you will. The fact is, the miracles that sometimes flowed from my father's fingertips had few witnesses but me. Yes, enough people saw enough strange things that that became the subject of a kind of misspoken folklore in our town. But most ignored the miracles as they ignored Dad himself. I believe I was preserved through those twelve airless minutes in order to be a witness. And as a witness, let me say that a miracle is no key thing, but more like the swing of the sword. If he were here to begin the account, I believe Dad would say what he said to Sweden me on the worst night of all our lives. We and the world, my children, will always be at war. Retreat. It's impossible. Arm yourselves. It's just writing something that's that's genius and affects a culture and a mindset. Long arm of reality, reach way out and pull it into today. What can you do today to get better, better built toward that? But I have so many obstacles. Look over, climb over, swing a Now there's a, you need to swap out. I'm just going to take a time out while he changes the disc. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I can't hardly read. You know that I've, I've had that book for, I think, two years, and I've never made it past the fourth chapter. I, I read it, and I'm so inspired, I go off and I write So good. 
You guys good? Yeah. Anybody sleepy? You guys awake? You good? How long from when I thought about it to actually writing? It took me probably a year of learning and writing and practicing and then to actually write the book about two years until it was published. Now that's way longer than most, but I had this crazy idea of I'm going to write a bestseller. And I, I wrote a good book, but it's not a bestseller. But I'm writing, I'm writing more right now. And, uh, and you know, I think if I spend the rest of my life is the recording going? Not quite. You good? Okay. The question on the table was, how long did it take me in that period of time? I think that's a relevant question because how long does it take to, to reach your dreams? And I, and I honestly believe that it's the journey that matters. So, you know, every day, going to bed and reading, when I take my, my, my Friday morning and I write, and I write a bunch of junk, and then I rehash it, and I go over and over that. If I were to die today, I felt, I feel, I believe that I am being affected. I'm being perfect. Okay, I, I know I caught this last time, but I, I need to throw this out. You know, the, the Greek meaning of perfect, when we think of perfect, you see, the Bible tells us to be perfect. You realize that? That's a bummer, huh? Be perfect is the Father in heaven is perfect. But the Greeks see perfection as without a flaw. And of course, we're not without flaws. We have flaws. But the Hebrews see perfection as to operate as designed. They would see a... A Greek would look at an olive tree, and the olive tree is imperfect. Because have you ever seen an olive tree? They're all twisted and you're looking. A Hebrew would look at that olive tree and say, it's perfect because it's bearing olives. It's operating as it's designed. It's complete. It does its function. And so for me, to spend time writing and to never produce a book, but I'm operating perfectly. You know what I mean? Now, it did take me, let's call it three years from the first little idea until there was a, a book to hand, to hand around. Until I had that in hand was a long time, and lots of people write faster than that. But I was I was in a journey, and I'm still in a journey. My my newest journey now is to write uh, fiction, and I'm working on a fiction, and I'm inspired by this guy, and I just want to I want to write something that changes the world, literally. I mean, it becomes like a C.S. Lewis or. You know, I, you know, am I capable of that? I, well, I think I am in Christ. You know, so why? Where do we live in our dreams? And how long? What if it's a ten years from now before it happens? Well, ten years is coming, whether we're ready or not. We might as well, might as well work toward it. And if we go home before then, well, that's even better because we're with Christ, right? We're we're in heaven. So, so we we get to a point. I think the thing about a prosperous soul is they're, they are almost irrepressible. Almost like a glacier, you can't stop them. You know glaciers? They don't move very fast, but they push mountains over. They just gouge their way through mountains. And I think we can be that way. I'm not in a big hurry. And I just speak that to those in the room. Peace to your heart. What's the rush? You're fine. Just 
every day move inevitably. Just a little closer. And the next day, just a little closer. Because it's a matter of time, and I'm going to be out that door. And you know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to be there. You've got to drive a stick to see me moving. But I'm moving. And I speak that to you guys for hope. If you feel like you've been stopped, just start with one tiny little step every single day. And some days, it's all I can do to open a book, blurry-eyed, read through a paragraph, go, oh, I'm tired. But I did my thing. Just whatever it is, just, just do it. Every single day. I'm telling you, man, you'll change the world. And so, there's a line between rules number one and two, or excuse me, between rules number two and three. The third rule of success is timing. This is another difference between this and the wealth doctrine. Which, by the way, I don't mean to beat up on the wealth doctrine. I just, it makes me crazy. It makes me, it doesn't work for me. So on this side of this fence, over here, I'm saying the four rules of success, your job is to get to where you can imagine and dream and hope and then actively pursue that long arm. Just do something every time. Because step three is God's job. And it's called timing. And what happens is, inevitably, God will bring some kind of opportunity in front of you, right in front of your, right across your path. And I'm telling you, if you have been doing steps one and two, you will be able to pick up item number three. Timing, timing is there. How many times did an opportunity come to me and I can't pick it up because I'm not, I haven't been writing? What happened is I was sitting in my office at Bethel and this lady, this little short woman, is standing outside of my office door and she's kind of meandering around waiting for somebody. She looks a little lost. So I walk out and I see her and I go, well, hi there, what's your name? She says, I'm Jane. Hi, Jane, I'm Steve. Can I help you find someone? She says, yeah, I'm looking for someone with a manuscript. Now, I don't even know what a manuscript is. I'm like, is that what I have? Do I have a manuscript? So I did. Well, I said, I have a manuscript. Jane goes, you do? What's it about? So I tell her about my early ideas of Prosper Soul book. And she says, send me that this week and I'll look at it. I said, okay. I mean, literally floated right in front of me. I couldn't have gotten any closer. She would have had to walk into my office. And then later I was like, oh, get into my office. Sit in my chair. I think this is a manuscript. <laughs> Sounds way better than I got a bunch of crummy pages that, you know, I have a bunch of files on my computer. No, I have a manuscript. Doesn't that sound better? So I'm like, awesome. So opportunity happens. That's God's job. He's got all the balls in the universe. Bad. Scratch that. He knows all the games. He knows how to make this system work. He can introduce breakthroughs as he wants. And he will. If we're faithful and little, he's faithful and much. It's not if, but when. That's how he is. So that's that rule is ensued. Now that's an unusual word. I took it out of the book Man's Search for Meaning. Anybody read that? Man's Search for Meaning. The author's name is Victor Frankel. 
He was a prisoner, Jewish prisoner, believer, in the Holocaust. He was put in all the worst ones. And he was in there. He lost his wife, he lost his children, killed, taken. He had a complete book written. He had it sewn into his coat. They stripped his, all of his clothes. He burned lost all that. He lost everything. And in this, Victor Frankl has a comment about success. You can believe that. I'm going to try to have memory. It's in the manual, and I just have lost the page. It doesn't matter. It's in here somewhere. Find it. That'll be home. Here's a hidden and in there, Victor Frankl says that you don't pursue happiness or success. Both of them ensue. They come upon you as the natural product of serving or caring about someone or something bigger than yourself. And he believed in God. He was always talking about God. He's saying you don't pursue these things like that's the end to get success. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be, it's really got to be happening inside of here. And this is why I can honestly say, you know, I think if I wrote every night for the next year, and then I died and never got any work done, I'd be okay with that. Because I am, it's really happened. You know? And hopefully that won't. I'm hoping I live to be 150, just like God said. I'm hoping I write. You know, I have five books I'm working on right now. Right now, I have five books and two manuals. And I love it. i just got heaps and heaps of projects around me. And hardly any time. But whenever I have time, I'm tinkering on my iPad, polishing a paragraph, or changing a new idea, or changing a chart, an outline of a book. And I just, that's all I do every day. I just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. When I come in January, I hope to have one of my manuals done. This one, I told you, is not complete. But it's been in this form for over a year. But I don't like the back half, so I just keep pushing on it. Adjusting. I just got these cool ideas. Like, ah, like a mad scientist in his laboratory. It's like, <laughs> grabbing and ripping and doing all these things. My students love it. So it's going to be so much fun. The four rules of success. Thank you. The actual dates, if you care to come, January 17 and 18, Prosper's Home. Wow, I don't know if it's here, but check the website. Yeah, so we just set that at, the, uh, at lunch. So I'm really excited about that. But we just have this idea of dominion. You know, dominion literally, I'm on page, let find it. One hundred and fifty-three. Dominion, the concept, biblically, means authority. And if you turn the page to 154, you'll see a subheading, ownership. So just, just look up here for a minute. I know you're making notes of things, but just realize, when I say dominion, I picture it like authority and ownership. Like two legs. Authority and ownership. Authority and ownership. Dominion. Like Christ's dominion. To stand on the back of the boat, command the waves to go to calm. Walks on two legs. 
dominion and ownership. Or excuse me, authority and ownership. What I mean by authority is a demonstration of, of your faithfulness. Now, Christ in here, you, and, and I won't re-engineer this because this is the purpose of the manual. I get to allude to stuff and you guys can follow it up later. This thing is some verses under the heading signs of authority. You'll see a verse from Matthew on page 153 and one from John in the page. You'll see in the top of page 154, you'll see a mark, a verse from Mark 16 and Luke. What those are are demonstrations of how people recognize the authority on Jesus. They said, we know you're from God because of the signs you want. So we will demonstrate signs. So this is where we operate in our authority as Christians. We pray for the sick. We faithfully read a book every night or page. You know what I mean? We are effectively demonstrating our authority. When we had our ministry time last night, and I pray for people. When I when I pray for you guys to have sweet sleep, I believe we prayed again for this morning. So for the rest of you, but but I believe I believe I have authority in that, and I believe that when I when I pray for you, it will you will experience it. Now I can believe whatever I want. The test is when you come back the next morning, which is why I said, how many of you had a good night's sleep? So many of us, all but like ten. Raise our hands. Oh, I slept like a baby. I did. It's like, yeah, I did. We prayed for that. That was supposed to happen. The few that didn't, it's like, okay, let's go to war for them. And we prayed again for you. I expect you guys to have a surprisingly deep sleep tonight. Okay? But that's a sign and execution of my authority. Other people, it's something other people can see. So we have to be displaying these, this, this idea of a prosperous soul walking in dominion. We're going to demonstrate our authority. We're going to exercise it. Okay? People will be able to see it. Ownership is, I think, a new idea for the Christians around money. Because how many of you heard that I hold everything with an open hand? Who's heard that phrase? Right? That's a great teaching. Except... It makes of us hirelings. The story I tell, tell in Praying It Forward is about the experience of becoming, in my mind and heart, an owner, an heir, on my uncle's ranch. And it's like, I get it. The difference is, the hireling with an open hand, I don't have, it's, it's, I don't, it's not mine. I'm not involved. It's like the idea, it says in Scripture that the hireling runs away when the wolves come from the sheep, right? The wolf comes to take the sheep, and the hireling just runs off because the, that wolf is dangerous. Whereas the heir was like, no, that's my sheep, and they'll go fight, they'll go fight that wolf. Now, they may not win, but like I said before, that wolf will know you were there. You'll fight a bear and win when you're an owner. So it's not about possession, like I own this, like this is now mine, but I am in God's kingdom. I am His Son serving His vision. And we become an owner. It's like, oh, when God said, Steve, say I am good, it was the transition for me from hireling to heir. I realized, oh my gosh, 
I am significant. I have something to do. And that's what brought me out of my cave. So dominion walks on two legs. Authority and ownership. I was in chapel one time. And I was asking God for some vision. I said, you know, we had so much before words given to us in that time. It was just pouring into Bethel. So my context is just traveling person, prophets, visitors, mail, everything. People just coming, feeling like provoked by the Holy Spirit to say, I just think God is going to, He's just going to provide all you need. He's going to provide, you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have all the money you guys need to do, blah, blah, blah. But the cousin coming in, the truth is I can barely make payroll. The truth is we're walking around scratching around and I'm like a shell game. I'm trying to mend the ends, you know, the ends of the wires touch. It's crazy. It's like, it was, it was, it was hard. And so I was in this tension. I'm like, where are the promises of my father? Right? Where, where's all this talk? Where's all this prophetic stuff? Where? I need it to land now. Come on. What's going on? Can't get this thing off the ground. What do I do? God stands me in a river and says, turn around. So I'm in the chapel. Okay, let me fill that in a little bit. I'm standing in a river. Now, I'm imagining this. I did see some water flow into the chapel. I was in the chapel again. But I didn't, like, I wasn't watching this movie happen. And he, and he says, turn around. I imagine, oh, it's, it's like I'm in a river. It's like these these things that I'm calling for, I think God is in it, but I'm watching them flow away from me. It's like I'm in the river, and the river is leaving me. It's passing me by. You get that? Yeah. And have you ever been, maybe you were a kid, you were in the river, these things float down the river, and when they come to you, or a rock, or something in the water, it kind of floats it around, away from you. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of way and moves it on past. And this was exactly the condition I felt myself in. It's like, I, this is driving me crazy, God. I'm questioning if this is even true. Where are the promises of our fathers? How come all this prophetic stuff isn't happening? You know what? I do see provision come past me by. What stuff? stuff. It was like little boxes bobbing and floating down this river. Little crates is what it looked like to me. Little crates boxed up, and I'm not sure what's in them, but they're all gone. I can't, I can't manage to get my hands on any of them. Occasionally, like a starving man, I get my hit my hands on something, and it was like I would drag and hold on to it because my posture was things leaving me. And God says, "Turn around." So I'm like, "All right." So I did. I turned around by myself in the chapel. And I'm thinking about what I've been watching. And I'm thinking, well, this is this is weird. Because I still see the little box crates bobbing in the water. They're all floating along. And all these promises boxed up. And they're all over this river. And they're floating. But when I was this direction, I couldn't see them until they were past me. So I had a sense of things leaving me. Everything is gone. And heaven forbid I drop something. 
if I fumble it, then it's carried off. It's like, ah, this was loss, loss, loss. But when I turn around, ah, that's so much different. It's like, look at all this stuff. I can see it. And as it would come, it would come right up to me, and I would just pick it up. You know how normally, if I didn't move, it would kind of circle around and go on past, but it would just hover there for a moment, and I'd just pick it up, and I did. And I imagined this little box, and I just picked it up. And I thought, oh, well, that feels good. Thank you, King. Thanks for that more, that perspective. What what's in the box? So nothing happens. I finish my prayer. I go on home. I kid you not. A friend calls me within days and says, Steve, and he didn't say this, but for you. He said, I'm a pastor in Nevada. He said, I would love to buy a mini storage, uh, excuse me, a mini market gas station and invest in it with you. Would you like to join me or do you know a pastor who would? Well, I was stunned. Because you see, a week before, I was looking to the west of where we live, Reading. To the west is a little town called Weaverville. And there was a little, little storage, a little investment out there that I was looking at. Being an accountant, I was working the numbers and working the numbers and trying to figure out how to invest in this thing, right? I was working the numbers and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I heard, I heard day, day, in those days, the Holy Spirit said, look to the east. I'm like, look to the east? I realized, oh, that's why this, this deal isn't working, because it's to the west. So I'm like, oh, so what's to the east? I mean, how far is that, you know, China? <laughs> a lot of east. East just keeps going. Which is always fascinating. Anyway. Isn't it? Because if you go north, eventually you go south. Anyway. There's a whole bunch of east. So I'm like, I don't know what you mean. So then I have this experience in the chapel turn around, and with days my friend calls me, who is dead east of my house. Just like just like I'm like, okay. So I decide, I think this is God. So after some time, I invested this guy. It was just like the box got opened within days. I'm like, that's crazy. It's kind of fun. So I went back to the chapel and I said, God, I want to turn around and face your good things. Because I'm tired of facing you leaving me, leaving me. That feels like lack and sadness. And this feels like beautiful and powerful and bright promise. And I pray, God, I, I just imagine myself standing in this river. God, I'm asking. And I started asking for things. Now, specifically, I was asking for investments. Because I'm teaching about money and stuff, and I don't got anything. I'm like, God, I gotta fix that. That's dumb. Right? I'm like, hands-on guy. I like to talk from one of my experiences, not just academics. So I'm sitting here, and I ask him for something else. Within days, I am not kidding. I am not kidding. This guy calls me, and he says, out of the blue, hey, we got this 
this certain kind of shop, we're going to do a limited partnership. Do you, would you or anyone else like to get, in, get into it? Amazing. I mean, that is amazing, Brent. Yes, it is. I was like, this stuff never came to me. You've got to understand. Never came to me. And there's like two within two weeks. So I went, turned around, and I went back to chat. And I said, oh, no. Lord, I want, you know, and I started asking him for things. God, what about this? What about that? And, and these things started coming to my life. But my habit, my paradigm was of a poverty spirit. Because when I was used to facing downstream, even though I'd broken it off, my habit was to hoard everything I could get my hands on. And now that I'm turning around, these things are coming to me like crazy. And I'm hoarding every one of them. And they're like, I've got them under my chin and on the back and on my shoulders. Imagine it. Right? And I, I'm like holding all this stuff and I drop things. And I'm like, <laughs> And I'm, I'm experiencing what abundance feels like. What abundance. Now, provision is awesome, but abundance is amazing. Right? Just like healing is awesome, but divine health is awesome. Right? And so I'm like, oh, I get this. So as I'm using these tools, not very well, I'm practicing, but I'm experiencing what it's like to have provision and abundance. And I'm learning some crazy lessons in this river. Things like, Dude, I gotta slow down and relax. I had to learn to rest in abundance. Oh, I say it better. I'm learning how to rest. I'm just, I don't have this figured out. I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm learning how to say no to good things in lieu of the best. Do you know that there's competition between good, better, and best? And when your habit is to anything that gets in you, in reach to turn around and have more than enough coming, you better say no to good and better things. And learn how to pick the best. And it is hard. That's some of the tests of abundance. You know? The tests are at the top. Last time I was here, I talked about the cycle of wealth. You know, the bottom and the top. The test isn't at the bottom. It's at the top. When the stuff is in your arms. That's when it gets hard. Because here comes a better thing even than that. It's like, well, what do I do? Do I let it go? Do I take this? Do I let that one go? How do you navigate that? And so lessons in the river are the lessons of the enemy. So I learned a few things. And I'll just talk here really fast. Uh, I don't see my girl in here. Is Donna in here? Awesome. Could you hand out this, the tokens now? Just tokens, just tokens, I'm around, I'm around. But I tell you, I'm giving you notes that don't in the man, the manual. On page 160, 60, because it's a prayer we're going to say. The margin, margin. Maybe you just like list, leave yourself space to write some, some ideas. The first thing, 
is that in dominion, you have the ability to recognize opportunities when they come. Little James standing outside of my door. I'm going to walk out and go, hi, what's your name? I'm James. Hi, James. I'm Steve. Are you here to see anyone? I'm looking for someone with manuscripts. I could have under the poverty mentality gone, well, that's not me. Because I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I can discount myself. Right? Because I'm worthless. I can say, well, maybe you must mean Bill Johnson. Let me make sure Bill knows you're here. And serve my way right past that opportunity. So I've had to learn the ability to see. So in this prayer, we're about, we're about to do a prayer in a prophetic turn. Okay, we're going to do a little prophetic exercise. We're going to turn the river. And we're going to do it really cool. I've got a verse in Revelation that I'm going to read. And we're just going to watch it happen. It's going to be a hoot. Pass around, pass around the mic and just listen to what some of you saw. You guys are going to see your own stuff. Right? It'll be fun. It'll encourage you. If you saw nothing, practice. Right? It doesn't mean anything. The devil has nothing on you. You get that? If you don't, if you, if we do this exercise that comes up and pathetically and we close our eyes and we turn around, and I'm talking all this stuff and you see nothing. Don't even worry about it. You just practice. Alright? And if you hear the tapes turning, it's not working for you. You need to know this. You're not that special. You're not the only person on the planet that God can't reach. You gotta do that. Right? I mean, there's been a lot of people on this planet. I think God can even reach you. You're not that special. So you will. So it's something to work on. The ability to recognize. The ability to recognize opportunities. And so I release. In the room, I begin right now. Releasing the capacity, the skill to recognize opportunities. Just release that into the room. The second one is to change, change your perspective circumstances are going to change. They're going to follow. Things are going to change when you turn around. And I don't understand why. Oh, no. I'd like to say it's because I have some special anointing or something, but the bottom line is, no, this, this has nothing to do with me. This is between you and God and my experience and with others is when they turn around, when you change your life from the, from the perspective of things leaving you, to the things coming to you, your circumstances follow. And maybe it's connected to the fact that we are made in God's image and He's a creator. Maybe. I don't know. Because the New Age has taken that off into something that's gross. But some, just some dynamic there. I don't understand. But I'm telling you, your circumstances will change when you perspective. perspective. Thirdly is, I mentioned already, we have a, a risk of behaving the way we've learned. If you have learned to experience a perspective of things leaving or lack, let's just call it lack, like facing the way downstream, and you turn around, you're going to have to learn new habits. Because otherwise you're going to catch all this stuff. All this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to show you in Scripture, there is more coming than you can even right now imagine. And I'm going to show it to you. In scripture, it's there. But when it when when you realize it's like, oh my gosh, no, this is sobering. I need to learn how to choose between good, better, 
invest, which is the fourth, which one are we on? Third? Fourth. We're on the fourth, which is the fifth one. Good, better, and best. Okay, start over. Start over. Number one, recognize. recognize. Number two, perspective change, changes your circumstances. Number three is you need to learn to learn to handle yourself with different habits. Oh, number four, better, good, better, best. There we go. Things are going to come to you, and you're going to have to say no to them. Isn't that crazy? We're so used to not having enough. And I'm in the chapel praying, God, where are the promises? And now I'm in a position of saying, here's something good coming, but I'm going to let it pass by. Woo, that challenge, that is me. That is hard. I am like, Lord, teach me. Because I want to grab that thing. I want to get into an investment. I want to get that promise. I want to get this opportunity, that first job that you've been praying and praying for. Now, I'm not saying the first job, if you've been unemployed, I'm not saying the first one is wrong. I'm just saying you've got to look at each one and decide, is that good, better, or best? Is this, is this the one you're sending down the river for? And you learn how to say no. Five. You need to not regret lost opportunities. Because when that good thing comes floating along, and you're being all, I remember Steve said, good, better, best. I think it's good. I think it's good. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm do it. That's great. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm like that. And so I got into this condition of this temptation of mourning the loss of great things that passed by. It's like, God, I let that go. And then the Lord reminds me. He is not, He is the provider. He's not the provision. He, he can make fish, golden fish's mouths all he wants. I mean, you know that? It's like, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> God's my provider. Not, he's not my provision. He's my provider. And this stuff going by, if it passes me by, I had to get my head around that. That's how I, I combat uh, jealousies. Because when I miss it, the guy right behind me, Brent, picks it up. And it's like, Steve, look what I just got. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? Right? That's real. Let's be real here. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, that's great, Brent. Turkey. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I popped. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so good. Sure. You know? Because we're, we're like, oh, jealous, right? We're like, no. It's, well, sure, if you think the universe is limited. If you think God is just a little bit just sitting down the river. And if you, if you picture him as standing there like, Okay, hope he's ready. This one. I mean, hope he's ready. Here goes the river. And it starts floating down, and he's watching. He goes, he's looking, he's looking. Why isn't he? Oh my gosh, he's not here. Oh no, he missed it. Steve missed it. Oh, Brent got it. <laughs> Brent gets everything. 
you know, that whole thing. If you think God is like that, but he's not, think about it. God, and he's probably not involved. He's not. I do see him like, oh, this is awesome. Let me put this in the river and watch. Oh, he missed it again. It's <laughs> awesome here. Let me get another Angels, angels, check this out. This stuff is hilarious. That kid. Love that kid. That's daddy. He's better than you can imagine. You realize that? God is better than you think. He's having a ball. He's not worried about this stuff. I did. Goodness. I think we're on six. Six. If you naturally turn downstream. Okay, so I do all this repentance. I'm in the chapel. It's just turn around. I have all these things. They're like loading up. And I'm like, man, I'm a genius. And I'm dumb. dumb. I'm walking through life. But when I kind of, from time to time, kind of stop my busy life and kind of take stock of where am I? I keep finding myself facing downstream. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, where? Let me, let me just close my eyes. Papa, where are you? And, well, that's weird. I'm experiencing things lack again. Why am I facing downstream? I thought I repented of that. I thought I fixed that. And so I turn around, and I face upstream, and it's working. And then the next time, a day or two, or a week later, I close my eyes, and I take stock, and I'm facing downstream again. I'm like, what am I, what is going on and, you know, God shows me it's natural to face downstream. You ever been in a creek as a kid and you lift up your feet and you float? Which way do you float? You float feet first downstream, don't you? Naturally face downstream. downstream. It's supernatural to face up. It's not natural to face up. You have to face a current. There is a current. And it's real. And it naturally faces us and turns us downstream. So I learned that it's not repentance. I'm not sinning when I'm looking downstream. It's like, oh, I need to change my paradigm again. And so I just get, I get quick to turn. You see what I mean? I don't like, oh, no. I'm again, I'm down, I'm downstream. I must, Lord, is there something wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that? No, just, just turn around, son. Just, just calm down. Turn around. Oh, okay, huh. Okay, so just turn around. So, downstream isn't evil. Do you know that, except number seven, there's a reason for the down. Do you remember my story about the toy, like how busy I was, and all my 150 clients? I turned and I, and I dreamed, God, I want to write a book. So I said, Lord, I want to write a book. And he put it in the river. I saw it, like a little crate, bobbing and floating but that rascal put it way over there. The river's wide for me. And it was way over here. And I'm like, now I'm holding 150 tax clients. I'm holding these investments that I've had, right? But I'm asking him for this book. And he puts it way over there. And I'm like, oh no. Because I can't cross the river. I can't reposition my life with all of this stuff. Uh-oh. So the purpose for downstream, are we on number seven? Is to let stuff go. Turn up this. 
What do you need to let go? For me, I had to let go of my practice, my CPA practice. 150 clients, they gave me such a sense of value and importance. I mean, to sit at the table with Bill and Benny Johnson and talk about their problems and worries and secrets and help them solve them just made me feel great. Man, I love it. With the Valentins and Silks and all these guys. And I just felt so valuable. So to turn and go, go. <laughs> My arms are empty, Lord, but I really want this book. So that's back to the dedication of the manual for those ferocious enough not to settle. So I was like, okay. So downstream is a great carrier of your baggage. It's a great place to release it. Some, see, there's people all over this where people will pick it up. For them, it's awesome. For provision. provision. Number eight, how to, re- how to rest. You have to rest in the river. You have to. This hoarding thing will wipe you out in abundance. It will wipe you out. And you will see it clearly when you do this prayer. Am I in number eight? Nine. 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 Number nine. He put that promise clear over here on the side of this river, and I had to reposition. So number nine is movement laterally in the river. Moving to line up with what God's putting in the river. Now, my experience was, when I first started, he put it right in front of me. He said, okay, guys, watch this. I know there's much this one. He put it right in front of me, and it came right to me. Remember that very first one? Literally, I mean, it was like within days. I couldn't believe it. It just came right here. I'm like, I wonder what this is. Just like hanging an Easter egg for a little teeny kid, right? You just like set it right on the ground in front of him, and the little kid's like, oh! You know, and they're so amazed. That's exactly like this. But he doesn't stay there, I think. He moves him around. He, he challenges us. He, he develops us. He says, watch this. And he put this thing clear on the side. So now I empty my river. I mean, my uh, arms of all of my baggage. And I started to cross this river. Now, I understand I'm talking over a span of time. And I'm, I'm also using this as a metaphor. As I moved across to position and to get in front of this possibility. What I mean by that is this is me sitting and reading every night before bed. This is me exercising the long arm of reality. Okay? This is me being faithful and little. This is like, okay, i got to get over and line up with this book. i got to understand what a great writing feels like. i got to understand this stuff. i got to work on it. i got a skill i got to build. And i got to learn and train, and develop, and I'm moving across the river. And you know, have you ever walked across the river? Has anybody ever gone steelhead fishing or salmon fishing? It's not elegant, is it? Yeah, you don't cross rivers elegantly. You don't like gracefully, I'm just going to mosey on over here, cross these rocks and moss, and, you know, ignore that, and just kind of, oh, oh almost, oh, 
you're in the water, and all your fishing gear is floating down the creek, and you're just like, you jump up as fast as you can, now your clothes are filled with water, and you weigh like 400 pounds, like, ah, I get my pole, as it floats away, can you tell us this happened to me? So, I got a so-so over it, I'm fine. But that's what I'm talking about. You don't cross this river gracefully. Righteous, righteous man rises seven times. We said this earlier. That's what Solomon was saying. Get in line with, these, with this amazing king that we serve. And you know what? You're going to fall down. You're going to fall down because you do not cross rivers gracefully. Turns out I was standing on a little safe sandbar about knee deep. I crossed over here and I got in the channel and it swept me down the river. And I fell over rocks and I lost equipment. I lost pieces of my business. It was messy and awesome. And I rose seven times. And eventually I got in place and I'm dripping wet, seaweed on my ear, all my stuff's gone. And here it comes, this book. Ah! There it is! It's awesome! But I tell you, if you make a mess and you tip and fall and you spill, is that information? No. That's, that's Solomon Proverbs saying, hey, get up, righteous man. Get up, righteous woman. I'm telling you that the prosperous soul is messy. And you guys are going to walk out of here and be all inspired. You know, we've just got a few more minutes of this thing. You realize that? And you're going to walk out of here and you're going to declare, because we're going to pray, I am a prosperous soul. And guess what? It's going to be messy. It's going to be scary. You're probably going to mess up and fail a few times. Get up. Do it. Go to war, man. Be authentic on the inside. Get your economic motor, uh, excuse me, your purpose engine just, just rolling, just just develop, just inside, be real. Really find your identity in Christ. Really figure out what that is. Learn about that stuff. Chew on Romans 8, 15. Swallow it until it becomes your own. Learn this stuff. Be ferocious. Understand that verse in Matthew. That the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Be violent. I'm not settling for your stuff. When the tanks are running and they're telling you, you're weak, you're awful, you're stupid, you're short, you're fat. You're too tall, you're not tall enough. You know, just all that craziness that goes on. Just tell it to shut up. Just tell it. I am not listening to you. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Tune in to the, from those of you who were in the first session, we talked about poverty. The way you fight with the poverty spirit is you tune in to the virtues of heaven. The virtues of what's the truth. What does God say about you? I think you're amazing. You were built perfect. I'm so glad I made you. Can't you just hear God Almighty saying that? I'm so glad the way you are. It's awesome. She rocks, doesn't she? Yeah. Think about it. That's God, huh? That's our daddy. He, all of us. And we just like, and you know what? Sometimes we'll be tired and discouraged and all that stuff. Get around people that are champions. Get around some giant killers. I'm married to one. It's awesome. We pick each other up. Sometimes she's down. Come on, sweet girl. Let's get up.
Sometimes I am the one. But I'm, but I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of a good fight. As long as I can win. Which is cool, because we do. We read the end of the book, didn't we? So we're going to do this exercise. I've got one last. No, I already said it. Those are all, all the rules in the river. Here's what we're going to do. I've got to tell you about this verse. In Revelation 2, 2, the first, it's the first five verses. The last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the book. John later, see the tree. He's, talk, he's talking about this tree. And in this tree, this tree, it says that it finally find the verse. It's Thank you. Thank you. One fifty-seven. This is the standard, standard version. And he showed me a water, the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the God and of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. Beside their side of the river was the tree of life. Okay, gotta hit pause. This tree is on both sides of the river. That is one smoking tree. Okay, that just just perspective. Monster, monstrous tree. Is bearing twin twins of fruit. Pause. Pause. Okay, there are bananas and apples and oranges and mangoes. I can't even think of twelve fruit. There's a lot of stuff growing on this tree, right? All these weird things. Think about it. twelve kinds on this tree. So that is pretty complicated. This tree, this thing's got stuff. It's going. It's going. Yield fruits every month. Every month. Pause. Whoa. Every 30 days, it buds and blossoms and bears leaves and grows a fruit. Every 30 days, it drops its fruit. It's straddling a river, isn't it? All in the river. Every 30 days. And it says, and the heat leaves are for the healing of the nation. So its leaves yellow and fall every month. Leaves and fruit. Can you see it? The tree of life. On the crystal river of time. Every 30 days, 12 kinds of fruit. That is, that is serious abundance. You get it? There is, you do not gather it up all, like reading and hoarding. It will bury you in fruit. Can you see it? I'm talking like, that's a lot of stuff. Now I think it's every kind of fruit for me, that's like, what What possibly could you need? God anticipated and was in that tree. Now, this tree is an interesting thing. Do you know that this tree, the tree of life, was in the Garden of Eden? And when men fell, when Adam and Eve did their deal, God hid the tree and put a cherubim in front of it, right, to protect it. So it was out of our reach. We couldn't reach the tree. Why? Because he didn't want us to eat from the tree of life after eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because we would be forever alive in our sin of not our knowledge of sin. You get that? You know, Savior, we can't do that yet. So let's just park the tree out of the way. They can't get it. Don't let the kids in. So it appears in Genesis unavailable. It appears in Revelation as a vision. Did you know that it's in the Bible a third place? 
Proverbs, right in the middle of the book. I'll show it to you. If you back up and find page 151, you'll see a verse in the middle of the page, Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Solomon found a way to get to the tree. Do you know that it's, I believe Habakkuk refers, no, there it is at the bottom of the same page, Haggai refers to Christ as the desire of the nations. Oh my gosh. Christ, the desire of the nations, is how we can desire fulfilled. It's like eating from the tree of life. This is how we access the tree of life today, right now. We're about to do it. Here's how this works. We're going to stand up and face this wall over here. And we're going to close our eyes, and I'm going to read this verse that I just said out of Revelation 22. I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat it. And then we're just going to stand there for a while quiet, and I want you to pay attention. I want you to look around. I want you just in the spirit, look around. Because this is downstream. This is us. We're going to start facing downstream with things leaving us. I want you to just pay attention. How deep is the water? Is there water? Is there stuff in the water? How does it feel for things to leave you? I want you to tap that. And then we're going to repent and we're going to turn around. And I'm going to have you guys keep your eyes closed and we're going to face the other wall. I'm going to read the same verse again. And, I want, and I'm going to say a prayer and you're going to repeat it. And you're just going to just pay attention. This is a practice, having our senses trained. And we're just going to look and learn about seeing in the Spirit. And when we're facing upstream, I want you to pay attention to what's coming. And just see what happens. And I just have a hunch that your life is about to change right now. So Father God, we just, we just come before you right now. We ask, God, that you would teach us and show us what you would, what is in your heart. I know I just sense your excitement. I just ask, God, that you would tutor us. Lord, give us eyes to see. I pray it in Jesus' name. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal. From the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of the land of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Repeat this prayer, please. Father God, crystal river of time. This river is flowing from the throne of God. You are filling the river with things. 
facing down, facing down. Good things flow away from me. They are just beyond Too hard to catch. I just look around. Imagine how you think the river would look. See if you notice things passing by. Now repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, want to turn. I want to turn. I want to see your throne. I want to see your provision. And I turn around now. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed and turn to the other wall. Oh! Thank you, Just, just check it out. Just look around. There's some stuff ahead. There's some stuff upstream. Pray this prayer. Father God, I am upstream. upstream. By the grace of God. You can see the throne of God and of the Lamb. Good things are coming to me. Everywhere, everywhere. This river, this river. There's more than I can contain. And there's abundance for everyone. Even for me. I receive your good gifts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay where you're at. I'm going to read this verse one more time. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, both twelve fruits of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and he will be on their foreheads. Thank you, King. Thank you, Thank you. Lord, I pray for every man and woman in this room. I ask you to teach us how to walk a life as a prosperous soul. I ask, Lord, that you would seal up in every one of us the ability to face your throne, your abundance received, collected before us, with the discernment to say, good and better, I send you on. But the best I keep. Recognition of what the best means in the king's sight for your life. And it will fuel your heart. It will fuel your lives. Lord, I thank you that you personally meet each of us. 
You are not hidden. You are not exclusive. You participate with us. Thank you, God. We're so grateful to know you and love you and serve you as sons and daughters and as heirs with Christ. And I bless you now as prosperous souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fun. Fun stuff. How was that? Did you guys enjoy that? Your, your token, of course, is a river stone. That's why you're stone. Throw that in your little bag. We're basically done. I would like to take a couple minutes and hear what people saw. And uh, so just kind of process. What did I see? What did I see? And I'd like to hear what it was like downstream and what it was like upstream. We're starting to go ahead. I'm not sure about downstream, but I was just thinking about, um, you know, the failed marriage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, when I turn around, I said, um, kind of like a waterfall. And um, I'm, I'm guessing that around it was the tree. Um, it's kind of like flowing from out of the tree, almost. And um, then I was kind of seeing like barges, like storage containers flowing. Well, they were crowded. They were crowded. Yeah. And, uh, That's amazing. Awesome. How deep was the water? Could you tell where you were standing? I'm trying to, I didn't think about that, but I, it kind of felt like waist deep and the barges were flowing high, yeah. like they weren't sinking, yeah. they were styrofoam. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of boats and barges in the river, and I hear usually what I, I, I I'm going to wait and say what else I hear on the, the water, because I don't want to like see that, but it's pretty fun. A lot of parallels, a lot of commonality in this thing. And it's just fun. We're watching something. We're watching something happen. Who else wants to share? Here's one over here. Come on, great girl. Okay, so um, I was looking downstream and um, I asked the Lord who was there and I said, um, Home, um, you're looking backwards um, at the same time. And um, we, we grew up in poverty um, and even when we had waves of money, a lot of money, because my dad would do business and we have a wave of money, but because there's so much poverty in spirit, nothing ever lasted. It was addiction, so it was, um, and it was always like, if he gave you a lot of money, he would take it back the next moment. So you always felt this lack that when daddy gave to you, he'd take it back, or 
or you better use it or it's going to be gone. You better do something. So there's like a lot of fear and um, like there was a lot of black coming up. And then, um, and then, but for some reason, even when I was looking downstream, I was still with Daddy God looking downstream, and I also saw like light and rainbows, and it was like teeming with fish. Um, and, and and then, um, but it, it was on, like, I was still processing later, like when I was upstream, but at the end of the whole thing, he was, um, well, I'll get there, so I'm joking ahead. Um, and then, um, but, but I, and then, like, um, when I was upstream, um, the first thing, I was, it was just, like, just a joy, like, to see, like, like, Father God, Papa's light just shining, like, on our faces, and just so full of joy and light. Like, I could barely talk, and it was just, like, so much joy. And the first thing he said, he's like, all I have is yours. And then, um, he's like, your, your future is bright in me. And then, um, and he showed me, going to me, he showed me, um, Crystal throne. He just needs like crystal throne. He's like, there is no lack in me. And um, and then and then he goes like, see we did, see we did. And and then he kind of brought me back to the fish that I was looking at downstream the other day. And he was saying like, oh, just going past here with these souls, people. Um, and it just made my heart sad. But then he was just showing me that there's so many treasures. It's not just money, but that everything that he gives us. We can we can pick up and we this whole thing of freely receive, freely give. Like that we don't need to fear that like our hands can be so open um, with this love. Yeah, that's so good. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, that's so good. Thank you for that. Someone else wanna share what they saw, what they experienced in that. When I was facing that way, um, I was seeing the provision, which many times was perceived as lack. Um, and even with people as well, there were people that were there but walking the other way, away from me. And then when I turned around this way, I think that was the reason I went in my cave, to hide. So turning this way, it's the abundance. It's the <coughs> lots of people. So many people, in fact, that they were all lining up because they couldn't all get to me. And it's the coming out of the Going from the provision or perceived lack to the abundance, which is far more than I could imagine, I think. Did you notice the water? Yeah. When I was this way, it was kind of shallow and kind of choppy, though. And then when I turned this way, it just kept rising higher and higher. That's what I was waiting to hear. Lots of people see it shallower and turbulent 
And when they turn around, it's deep. Some of them are even underwater, but they breathe. So, fun stuff. Anybody experienced that? You could, was it over your heads? There? There? Yeah. Could you breathe under there? Yeah, you didn't care. It, was, it wasn't dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody see anything on the ground under their feet? What did you see? Just a lot of gemstones. Yeah. Um, you see just the water was slippery. It wasn't like rocks. It was all gold and silver. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Anybody else see that? Gems under their feet? Yeah. I, I, I get that a lot. They, the one direction they don't see it when they turn around is just glittery. Wow. Well, you want to share? So mine was a lot like hers where when I was looking downstream I was seeing things that had um, maybe not worked out the way I wanted to or it lost in my life. You know, just, um, we had to uh, sell our home under difficult circumstances. They were good. Oh, sorry. So, um, and then um, just maybe relationships where you know, they, um, they've gone through hard times. And then when I turn around, I felt like those were the things that I had lost. And when I turned around, I felt like there was, I couldn't see it totally clearly, but it was like there was this big, almost a high rise in front of me. And, and then there was also a big crowd of people. I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know what they were there, but just a huge crowd, kind of like in the side of the river. Like, were there people in the river? Not around me, not around me, but kind of like over by the bank. Yeah, okay, okay. Maybe a hundred people. Okay. Like a hundred people. Anybody see other people in the river, like behind you, there you did? Else there, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I found that. I found out that at first I thought I was alone. And that first time that thing floated by, and I looked down, there's there's people all over the place. And I'm like, oh, well, then that's awesome. So learn how to let the, you know, how to choose between and not regret if I did this at best. Day. Because the trees produce some fruit every 30 days. Isn't that amazing? Think about how much that would be. It's produced fruit every month, and the leaves for the hand of the nations. Will this feedback that these people today? What I was facing the other wall, um, everything was like just getting past me, getting around me. There was just a lot of, I was reaching for things, but I wasn't captured. And when I turned around, the first thing I noticed was I could feel spray in my face. And that was. I was kind of just lost in that because that was just to me hope and refreshing and um, promise. And like Julia, I saw just gems under my feet. It was just gold and silver and precious stones. Did anyone see the throne? You saw okay. I saw a chair coming towards me. It was a big chair. Well, there's mysteries in this. We can ask the king for... You see, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. That's a great verse to write. Oh, by the way, I should preface this by who saw nothing. 
If you, yeah, there's, there's a couple in the room. Didn't see it, man. That's not the problem. That you understand, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 says that we would be known as servants of Christ and stewards of His mysteries. That means handlers of His secrets. We're going to handle secret things, God's secrets. So, the fact that you do this exercise and you don't see anything, or maybe I saw one little thing, or just one color, or whatever the scenario is, don't worry about that. Practice it. Practice facing the provider of your life. Face the throne of God. And just realize that it is an insurmountable, endless provision coming from the tree of life that has lived there forever. Every 30 days, leaves, fruit, endless. Twelve kinds. Everything in between, right? So that's just a great thing to practice. Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the children. Because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You had something. My name's Hannah. I know uh, my husband and I have been visiting Blazing Fire for a couple months now, so many of you don't know me yet. Um, but one thing that I noticed when I, when I was facing downstream, it initially was a little bit difficult for me to visualize. Um, but what I saw was that all these other people seemed like we're getting, we're getting blessed. I saw people downstream, and I'm like, Hey, they wrote their book already. You know, they 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 got that already. You know, you know, it's like they're younger than me, and and here I am. You know, I, I felt like let's not be our behind. And then um, and then when we turned around, it was interesting. Even in did you all notice in the physical space when we turned around, we were facing the sun, and uh, and that helped my visual visualization uh, because I did see this big golden throne, and it was so bright I couldn't. I couldn't see. I mean, it was like I could just see the very bottom of it, but I couldn't even see the top of it. It was so bright. And um, what I noticed were that I saw people floating toward me because God is assembling the, the, the people and he's called to help me walk in my purpose. And so whereas I saw, you know, wow, they've got, they've got a, a, a Steve uh, De Silva, you know, that, that's working at, at Bethel. I want to Silver on my team. <laughs> and, uh, and, but God was saying, you know, the people that I have for you, they're coming to you when I'm, when I'm turned away. You know, the, the vision that I have for you is too big for you to do alone. I need to assemble the people in your life, but when you're faced that way, you don't see them coming. You see other people's teams, but when you turn around, it's like, here are these people that are bringing them to you. Be prepared to be seen. So that was amazing. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Just just extend a hand. Lord, Thank you for this suit. We thank you for this suit. We ask you to bless and prosper now. And we know that you're bringing the right men and women with the right mix of, of skills and anointed tools. We ask you to provide those needs to these two in their ministry of helps to the church. And to those who don't know you yet, well, put on that evangelism of jealousy. That the world would look at it and go, how, how do you do that? How, how do you do that? Well, that's just a And I just pray that. Thanks. Right. I think we're just about done. Has anybody got a quick one or two? And then we'll be done, I think, maybe. One here. A little different. I just saw lots of weeds. Weeds? Yeah, lots of I just wanted to grab them all. Yeah. Okay. 
And then when I turned around, we were in Orleans, and, um, and I got a sense from Father that when I was looking downstream, I was looking in my shadow, and I couldn't see through it. I thought that was a good sign. One more. We got two hands. We'll go. Well, you said something a minute ago. Let's go right here. Hi, my name is Trisha. And when I was looking downstream, I saw the things I needed to let go of. The disappointments. You know, it's been a real hard season for me. Counts or whatever. But then when I turned around, I saw with um, really just bright light. And I saw the tree like in front of it with the light so bright. I saw the leaves falling down and actually killing the nation. I have a friend who has the coolest, had the coolest picture <coughs> of a leaf. And I'll leave you with this. She's, what's that? I'll leave you with this. I missed that. That was awesome. <laughs> she um, is standing in this eddy. When she turns around, she's standing, and right in front of her is an eddy, the water leaf, I think. And in it is this leaf, and it's floating around, and she really wants this leaf, but she can't quite reach it. And it would come really close, stretch, and go past her. Her name's Katie, she's about this tall, 77 ish. And uh, by the way, she's wearing a body, body cast type thing, because she fractured her spine in a, learning how to ride in a biathlon. <laughs> I know, she's an amazing lady. She's still a friend of mine. Anyway, she's in this little thing. She needs healing. <coughs> and this leaf comes down. She reaches and reaches. She gets the leaf. Finally gets the leaf. She's so excited. She looks at the leaf. And she thought it would like, say something. Or, but it's just a leaf. She holds huh. it up. And behind it is the light from the throne. And it shines through the leaf. And it's translucent. And inside it says, in God we trust. And she was so moved by that. She was just, it was so ministered to her heart because she's needing healing for her nation, for her little body. And that really spoke to her. And that was about five or six years ago. She's uh, now, in the hilarious, healed. Casting is gone. She's got herself, she went out and bought the biggest Ford pickup I've ever seen. This is no joke, God knows. She has to have a little seat to sit in it to drive because it's so big. She has to have a stick to open the, the thing in the back. The, you know, it's got a camper top. Little, and she filled it with all of her possessions. And she's on an Odyssey tour all over, like, three states, I think, or four states. I can't remember how far, but it's long distance. And she's traveling around, ministering to her family, and uh, just, just seeking the Lord every station of the way. And she sends me these hilarious texts. We got one, Dominic got one yesterday. What was it? She's like, she's so serious. She's cracking up. She says, I'm in this state. I'm hunkered down. I've done hours of research for Steve. I paid her to do little studies for me. She's a brilliant. She's brilliant. She goes, but I... And unable to reach Steve, please advise. <laughs> just like, you are an animal. You're scary. <laughs> He's got to be 78 or more now. 
but she is ferocious. So you've got to trust. God, let that be on, written on our heart. That we would trust in you in all respects. That money would never be our leader. It would always be a slave under our feet. We would use it to accomplish these tasks that you put before us. And God, we would do it in such a way that you would be delighted. You would laugh over us with pleasure. I pray this. I believe it happens. And ask for this room of prosperous souls to be increased and empowered, encouraged, and released like ferocious animals in this kingdom you've set around us, this place that we've been assigned. I just ask God that we would do great works in Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow.